0: Good morning, and thank you for joining me once again as we're making our way through the Gospel of Matthew. We are in chapter 17, 18, and 19 today, and we're gonna focus on chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. So if you've got a Bible and you can open it to Matthew 17, uh, we'll make some statements uh, to kind of summarize what's going on and then come to our, our focal text there in 18:15 in just a moment. So chapter 17 opens with uh, what is referred to as the Transfiguration. Uh, this uh, moment uh, in which uh, the inner circle of the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, are made, uh, given the privilege of seeing something of uh, the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ there uh, in, um, uh, with uh, Moses and Elijah. And so uh, they're over, rightly overwhelmed Uh, by this and then uh, at the conclusion of this episode uh, Jesus continues to demonstrate that he is who they have believed him uh, to be but he also uh, uh, includes this uh, warning, uh, this prophecy uh, that he will go to Jerusalem and he will ultimately be crucified but he will be raised from the dead. Now the the irony, the contrast uh, that we see there in chapter 18 of uh, the greatness of Jesus and yet the pettiness of the disciples. Uh, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And that we see that, that debate uh, uh, rear its ugly head a number of times uh, throughout uh, the Gospels. And so we see the various warnings uh, related to, to sin and dealing with sin. Uh, chapter 19, Uh, This very pointed uh, discussion and instruction related to divorce. And then also in chapter 19, uh, this very difficult and challenging uh, interaction, dialogue with uh, the the person we refer to as the rich young ruler and and how he seemed like the perfect uh, candidate. Uh, for discipleship, and yet he leaves because he loves the things of the world. He loves his riches uh, more uh, than he loves even his own soul, and is unwilling to part with these things to follow the Lord Jesus. Well, let's go back to our our focus this morning, and uh, let's look at Matthew eighteen, beginning in verse fifteen. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. If two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. I'll often say that there is no place uh, for two genuinely uh, born-again individuals to be estranged from each other. Uh, That uh, uh, if there is estrangement between uh, brothers and and or sisters in Christ, uh, there's sin. Somebody's sinning, typically both people are sinning, uh, but the Bible gives to us uh, both a private methodology uh, for bringing uh, reconciliation, Uh, to all those who call the name of Christ, and there's nothing uh, that does more damage uh, to the cause of Christ than to see uh, believers uh, uh, in, in conflict, and particularly public conflict, in which everybody knows, well, here are these two people at this church or two people in the community that claim to be Christians, but they hate each other. And so uh, the Bible gives uh, remedy uh, that can be begun at the private level, but at some level it involves the church. As we become aware of of two uh, individuals or more than two individuals that are in conflict, there's a way. uh, There's a biblical protocol and procedure uh, for bringing uh, the truth. Uh, to to righting the wrong, uh, for bringing uh, uh, the parties that are at war with each other to bring them uh, uh, to peace. And so uh, if you're in some type of conflict, uh, whether it's uh, your spouse or your children, uh, extended family, fellow church members, co-workers, you name it, uh, there is a biblical way. Uh, To bring resolution. Now, this is not the only thing the Bible says about this, uh, but it's certainly a good place to start if we want to be reconciled to one another, if we want to walk in love with one another as challenged and charged according to uh, to Scripture. And of course, this is a basis, uh, uh, this passage is the basis for what we speak of in terms of church discipline. That is, uh, a believer refuses to repent, or a professing believer refuses to repent. Uh, The Bible calls upon us to expose this individual, to charge and challenge this individual, and to call upon them to uh, repent. And they cannot remain uh, in good standing with the church uh, should they choose to continue uh, to live uh, in sin. And of course, there's a great promise here too uh, of uh, power in prayer. Uh, that as we're reconciled to one another and we walk in fellowship with one another and fellowship with God, uh, that we shall find success uh, in our uh, prayer life. And of course, uh, there's so great, there are great promises throughout the Bible uh, uh, pertaining uh, to prayer. And uh, so often we warn against this not a, a blank check, that uh, God guarantees uh, none of our uh, spiritual checks will bounce, uh, and then we can write any amount we want to. Uh, but it does tell us. Uh, that if we're rightly related to to God and we pray according to his will, as revealed in Scripture, that he loves to answer our prayers. And so uh, what a a great and practical word uh, to us, that we do not have to live with hostility and bitterness toward one another, uh, that there is a way uh, for us uh, to know peace with God and peace with one another. And so I pray that this is a blessing to your day and we'll look forward to seeing you once again uh, tomorrow.